Brit. What's good, my beautiful people? This is Glory Jones, the hip-hop nerd. At it again the day late, but that's all good. There's been a lot going on this past week. Of course, we're going to touch on a lot of that later, but there's a recent topic of the past month or so that I want to discuss in depth on this episode, and that's video game violence. But before I get into that, it's time for... Track of the Week. So in relation to this week's topic, I gotta pick Little Weapon by Lupe Fiasco featuring Bishop G and Nicky Jean. Even though it was released a little over 10 years ago, it covers multiple topics that are all still relevant today. Um, it starts with a kind of poem and a deep screwed, screwed up voice that mentions the child robbing a store, another child committing a religious killing, and the child planning on a school shooting. It's super powerful stuff and all in less than the first 30 seconds of the song is over. And then the beat starts up with mili military snare drums and Lupe spends the first verse in the shoes of a child soldier and then the second verse describing the horror of the coldness of child soldiers performing their duties, which is why they're selected in the first place. It's kind of scary when you think about it and it's depicted pretty gruesomely. The third verse is what I'm highlighting this week though, as Bishop G spends the whole time from the eyes of a child playing a violent video game that he knows he's not supposed to be playing. I'm only trying I'm, I'm only trying to highlight one line per song when I do this segment, but I'm torn between two lines from the same verse. The first one is imagine if I had to console the families of those slain I slayed on game consoles. And the second one is B for the bombs, press pause for your moms, make the room silent. She don't approve of violent games. She leave, resume activity. And of course I could break these down, but I'm just pointing them out to leave y'all with something to think about and apply your own interpretation. If you've never heard Little Weapon before, or you don't remember it, or if you're otherwise unfamiliar, it's on Lupe's The Cool album. It's his second album, and it's largely regarded as his best album in a lot of circles, and in my personal opinion, so it's for sure hip-hop nerd approved and recommended. The whole thing is stellar, and not only does every song have a message and tell a story, but they all combine to tell one cohesive narrative about living in the street life in order to be cool. And that was your track of the week, and now it's time for what's on my mind. So recently in the face of so many tragic mass shootings, the finger of the blame is once again being pointed at video game violence. And it's crazy to me that this is happening again. It's happened a few times, like a lot of times in the past. Like, for instance, in 1999, when Doom was blamed for the Columbine shooting because it was discovered that the shooters allegedly loved the game. And Doom is considered the game that popular popularized the first-person shooter um, genre and was definitely violent, but it had been released about six years earlier. And also, in the game you're shooting demons and space monsters, and it's weird because I feel like they always make these correlations, but 
Shooting and aiming on a video game doesn't even begin to translate into handling a real gun with real recoil in real life. And coming off the back of another high school shooting that happened in 97, all of the media and a lot of politicians were at the throats of video games. Um, this one lawyer, Jack Thompson, who has been an anti-video game activist for a long time, about since about that time, I think he, he filed the first lawsuit against video games ever, which was this case. But he also was disbarred for the lies he told to further his anti-video game agenda. And he shamelessly used these shootings and some since then to further his cause and attack the video game industry with lawsuits that have all been thrown out. And then, right after that, in 2001, the Surgeon General, David Satcher, led a study on violence and youth and he found that video games and other media had very minor influence on violence. In the same report, he actually noted that the strongest factors leading to school shootings were mental health and the quality of home life. So then in 2003, when Grand Theft Auto was released, it lets you steal, kill, solicit prostitutes, and a lot of, a lot of other kind of crimes indiscriminately if you wanted to. And that started a whole new rush of media attention and accusations, and especially because there was a, a particular killer who claimed that he was imitating that particular game. And some states tried to enact new laws and bans, and one guy even tried to have violence added to the list of speech that could not be protected under the First Amendment of the Constitution. So of course the next few years led to more studies that debunked the claims that video games were the cause of these horrible instances of violence, and while it was acknowledged that many of the young perpetrators played video games, it was also noted that most young people at the time, in general, played video games. In a 2005 study, it showed that 90% of boys and 40% of girls played video games regularly. So because the vast majority of kids that play video games don't go on and commit mass killings, it's clear that video games are not to blame for the issue. And it was even noted that people who commit mass violent anti-social acts generally consume less media than most leading up to the event in question. So then, of course, there's more back and forth with people on both sides of the conflict. This professor says this, this psychologist says that, and there's news to be found pretty much every year since the 99 Columbine about the debate of video game violence influence in real life violence and whatnot. So in 2011, Brown versus Entertainment Merchants Association was the name of the case. The Supreme Court voted seven to two that video games are protected under the First Amendment and quote, are just as entitled to free speech as the best literature, end quote. So after that, 2012 brought Sandy Hook the very next year um, and that reopened that barely healed wound from the year before and this time the game to blame was Mass Effect which if you're familiar with that game you understand how absurd that is I mean like the games that I mentioned already Doom and GTA 
those were those are very violence based games it's not just that violence is in them but violence is a very large part of the game as a whole mass effect which has violence um you know like laser gun fights and stuff like that um the game a large part of the of the experience of playing the game is about morality and the choices you make and it makes diplomacy a really big deal when it comes to solving problems and your choices have consequences and it's actually a brilliant game but of course people just doing basing stuff that they do off of uh, just what they hear attack that attack the company Bioware that created the game without any context and it then later it was revealed that that particular shooter played all kinds of games and he actually preferred the non-violent kind like Dance Dance Revolution and Mario Bros. specifically is what I saw named so now that I've given you that little recap of about 20 years or so of this debate I can get to my point so in the wake of the tragic Parkland shooting that happened earlier this year President Trump had a meeting last Thursday March 8th, 2018, just in case you're hearing this much later than I'm actually posting it. So it was about video game violence and its influence on the youth. It was a closed meeting that didn't allow any press. And of course, a few details leaked out. And those details said that it was almost completely unproductive. But I'm sure that that's not even an issue. I'm, I'm sure that most gaming fans and community members, including myself, are just wondering why the hell this is still happening. Every single time this happens, it's debunked very soon after, and things remain just as horrible as always. This is because people who didn't grow up in a time where video games were as prominent as they are now, just assume that they're the cause of something they refuse to take the blame for themselves. They would rather attack the unfamiliar than explore the obvious. Media censorship has been a big deal for a long time, and TV, movies, music, comics, and books and let's just throw anime in there because that's one of the ones that they don't understand that much either but they've all had their moments of being blamed for a lot of things but video games somehow always seem to be the go-to excuse for these kinds of tragedies even Arnold Schwarzenegger the Terminator himself tried to change legislation when he was governor of California to fight violent video games let's just think about that for a second the Terminator the ultra-violent series of movies about robots slaughtering the human race to the point where time travel was the only solution. The man who played the main robot, doing most of the shooting and killing throughout that five-movie franchise, was campaigning against violent imagery in video games. What? Like, that's if that's not hypocrisy, I don't know. So if that makes sense to anybody out there, please explain it to me so I can find out if I'm tripping. I mean, I can't be the only person that noticed the trend in that timeline I just gave. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy argument. So we have almost 20 years of overwhelming evidence that video games are not causing these things. And I play video games a lot, like, like a lot. And I have pretty much since I was born, considering 
I grew up with older brothers that also enjoyed video games, and I was born around the time video games became a serious part of, day of daily life. A lot of games I play and have played are violent, and I never come close to wanting to go out and hurt or kill anyone, let alone a large group of people. First person shooters were actually pretty much my first gaming love because my brothers were so much better than me at basically everything else growing up. If I could manage to beat one of them in something like a fighting game or a real time strategy game or any other like sports game or something, if I managed to pull that off, another one of them could beat me at it. So first person but first person shooter was always where I was safe at. And I can kick all the asses now in pretty much every genre, but that's beside the point. And and I hope they're listening so that they they can challenge me if they like. Shout out to my brothers. But that's beside the point. The fact of the matter is that I was raised to value life. I was taught right and wrong my whole life so I could be a productive member of society. And I suspect the same has happened for the vast majority of gamers. Who I am as a person is intact before, during, and after any video game is introduced to me. And the same is true for these damaged souls that commit these monstrous acts of violence. They were molded into the individuals they are by multiple circumstances, and it's a disservice to everyone to blame one source of media for their problems. It's everyone wants to look at one problem in a vacuum, and it seems that, that the popular excuse is video games and that doesn't make sense it's almost always a plethora of contributing factors and so the problem comes in and i talk about this when it comes to education a lot too but the problem comes in where the home is being blamed for less and less for the person it produces that's not to say that the parents it's the parents fault all the time because no parent really knows what they're doing a lot of them are just doing their best because there's no real guidelines and every child is different. What works for one or a hundred or a thousand or a million might not work for the next one or a hundred or a thousand or a million. And it, it won't work. It just it's, it's just you can't just do one thing with a kid that you did with a different one all the time. It's not necessarily there's no formula. So it's the duty of people around that individual to be open enough to the people around them to see the signs. And that's where the parents do come in. They're the first people that are around the life that they created. And they can do everything in their power to not shape their kids into shitty human beings. Even though creating a good human being takes a lot more effort, apparently. I mean, hell, Dylan Roof's sister was caught this week bringing weapons to school and making racist statements on Snapchat. Obviously, there's an issue in that house that created the monster that murdered people who were nice to him by his own admission in a place of worship that he had just prayed in. So, something with those parents that's, or somebody that's hanging around that house or something is racist and teaching these kids hateful, horrible, violent shit. And there's always the narrative of nobody seeing the signs and the perpetrators needing help even and 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 the sad part is 
even though I'm tired of seeing killers be put into a positive light. It's true. Um, no one sees the signs, and the signs are always there beforehand. And that person's mental health was a train wreck way before they decided to act on their violent impulses. And this is what happens when the blame is shifted to entertainment media and recreational software instead of all of the other factors that could be and usually are the issue. Mental health is still not taken as seriously as it should be in this country. I don't want to keep flooding this podcast with dates and data because that's not what I'm here for. If you want that, then just keep your ears peeled for the Question Authority podcast that's coming soon. That's what that one is, specifically. But when it comes to mental health, the numbers are staggering. The government doesn't pay enough in most states, and a lot of parents ignore the hell out of mental health issues. And on top of that, there's the negative stigma of being looked at as crazy or broken if you go see a therapist, and it just leads to a fear of acknowledging a legitimate illness and, and there's even several religious organizations that insist on praying the problems away. Just the views on mental health in general are just seriously wrong. I have a friend that suffers from crippling depression. And once she finally came to terms with what was going on and that she couldn't help it no matter what was going on during her day, she had to wait two months for her first appointment. She called in and had to wait two months before she could walk in the door of a doctor that she needed to see. And of course she had to rely on trying to lean on people and talk to people and a lot of other factors to keep her from, from just from harming herself, not other people. And, and my question of that, but anybody who's listening, I just I, w- I want to know your opinion. I mean, I'm gonna say mine, but even if you disagree with me, I'm not gonna judge you or nothing. But it's really like that scenario brings up a good question in my mind, which is if she had committed suicide during that waiting period, whose fault would that be? Would that be the fault of the young woman who managed to acknowledge her illness? which is statistically against the odds, and seek help? Or would it be the fault of a system that marginalizes mental health, a system and society that marginalizes mental health issues so much that there are not enough facilities to handle the number of cases that need attention in a given area? And that given area is everywhere. So... If that woman, that, that, that friend of mine, whom I care about, had killed herself, would she be the one to blame or would the system be the one to blame? And I'm, I'm sure because two months is a long time for somebody that's dealing with serious issues. And, and I'm sure some, some of y'all may still blame her for being weak or I've even heard the term selfish be used in uh, conjunction with suicide some other misguided argument about personal responsibility might be the case but to me it's definitely on the system if someone is drowning they don't have to make an appointment with a lifeguard they just get saved if someone is bleeding or or suffocating or burning to death 
they get the help they need when they need it. So why is this any different? Life or death should always be the same across the board. Dismal circumstances and unbalanced chemicals in a person's brain are telling them that they shouldn't be here anymore. That they should take their own life or otherwise harm themselves. And they can only resist without help for so long before they can't help but comply. A lot of people don't understand mental health and think depression is just being sad or really down in the dumps for a while. But it's, it's, it is literally a chemical imbalance in your brain. And so we need to care enough as a society, we need to care enough to pay attention to the people around us and what's going on inside of them instead of how they entertain themselves. And even worse than mental health is as backwards and insane to me that we're living in an, uh, in, under a government that sees an act of violence and rushes to regulate video games instead of weapons. I mean, I'm not against the responsible ownership of firearms at all, but how many more people have to die before we stop arguing about fucking background checks? Make sure a person should have a gun before you let them have one. We keep them out of the hands of felons and people who have already committed crimes after the fact, but by that point, the tragedy is already done. And it's clearly not enough to do that. And there's psych evaluations to determine all sorts of things. I can hop online right now and see which X-Men character I am or what Hogwarts house I'm in. But we can't implement a system that can test whether or not I'm mentally unstable or violent or racist before being given an instrument of death under the pretense of hunting equipment. It's the same issue with police being too afraid or aggressive to avoid killing someone. I'm not saying I'm anti-police, but it just seems as though we'd rather see people die than see extra money be put into screening and training police officers more thoroughly. We'd rather blame the victims and smear their names in the media and in these and in the school shooting situations point our fingers at video games than just be a little more thorough and just pay attention to decades of research on the subject. The work's already been done. It's not that much left. Hell, there are a lot of other countries that don't have these issues. We can just copy whatever the hell they're doing. It's not that hard. I'm sure it's not that hard. And even if you still insist on blaming video games, just don't buy your underage child violent video games. There are thousands of age-appropriate and non-violent games you don't even have to do the research yourself. All you have to do is look at the damn box. Every video game has a label from the Entertainment Software Rating Board, more commonly known as the ESRB, and clear display right smack on the front of the game. It's not a new thing. It's been around since 1994 when games first got graphic with stuff like Mortal Kombat. And not only do they tell you what age groups the games are appropriate for, they give you a brief list of what's in the game that gives it that rating. It'll say, uh, like, violence, foul language, or drug use, or whatever the case may be. And that way, the next time your seven-year-old 
wants to play the next Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto or whatever it is, you can see the Rated M for Mature 17 Plus label and tell him or her, hell no. It's actually legally actionable if a store sells those games to your minor. So the power is 100% in your hands. You can sue the store if they sell that to your kid. They're not supposed to purchase it without an adult over the age of 18. I mean, of course, there are loopholes, I'm sure. But if you pay attention to what your child is doing, you'll know. And, and it's just... Video games get such a bad rep. But it's really just, you know, a... Uh, a case of correlation being mistaken for causality and video games are good for a lot of things they improve a lot of cognitive skills like hand-eye coordination problem solving staying cool under pressure processing information faster just all kinds of stuff cognitively and they can be miraculous stress relievers which i can personally attest to for sure um They've proven to be effective at physical rehabilitation, and they've been great educational tools from preschool to postgrad. They can even help with a lot of mental health disorders, including chronic anxiety, ADHD, schizophrenia, etc. They've even been proven to enhance business and entrepreneurial skills by honing um, the traits that you need for those things. And the most interesting study has shown that they can even increase pro-social behavior, which is a direct contradiction to them causing antisocial behavior. Playing a game with a friend on the couch or even strangers online with a headset encourages cooperation and communication. I know lasting marriages that have been formed from long distance Halo matches. And I've seen people cry when they finish their first playthrough of Journey, which is a game that pairs you with a random person y'all can't talk y'all can only like do signals in the game and you never see that person's screen name and y'all go through this entire hour and 20 minute game or something about that length you go through this game together there's all kinds of stuff going on in the game and you feel an emotional connection to this person you can't even speak to and then once the game is over that person disappears and you never find out who it was you were playing with it's and and people i've seen people like cry because they truly felt as though that person was their friend during that playthrough and it's really a magical thing games just bring people together entire communities have been formed around gaming like pokemon go has created all sorts of social groups and gotten people up and exercising and socializing i see a bus every week of a group of people going to go to different places and do raids and play Pokemon Go. And, and there is proof of a temporary spike in aggression right after playing violent video games, but that's completely unlikely to cause a school shooting as opposed to arguing with someone near you or talking smack, which is also true of any physical sport. Anything competitive, just it pumps you up. That happens. Aggression increases in those situations. And video games are the same, which is another reason, uh, another reason to argue for uh, esports. 
video games don't create killers. Negligence and a lack of empathy does that way more often. All it takes is a little time and energy to learn your child's interests and provide context. Just remember that word, context, and just talk to your child. Care about what they're interested in. Parents are the gatekeepers to a child's world and shaping their view of it is vital to creating a decent human being who values life. However, when the parents can't manage that task, it's up to the people around that person to see the signs and ask if they're okay. There's nothing wrong with checking on somebody or suggesting help. A little bit of caring can make a lot of difference. And that's why the last sentence of this podcast is always the same plea. I'm challenging everybody who I can reach to increase the love in the world. And that's all I have to say on this particular subject. And I hope this cycle of blaming the inconsequential factor of video games ends really soon. And now it's time for Nerd News of the Week. Since I got so preachy about today's topic, I'll try to be quick here. So this week saw the release of the new Tomb Raider movie starring Alicia Vikander and directed by Roar Uthaug. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I was looking forward to this movie since it looks to be based on the newer video games that have made Laura Croft a more believable character with more achievable bodily proportions and a much more compelling background and story. I haven't had a chance to see Tomb Raider just yet but I've been looking into it and unfortunately it currently has a 46 on Metacritic and a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes which aren't really great scores. There are of course several reasons for both scores with various critics saying various things both negative and positive but I'm gonna see it sometime this weekend anyway. This is just another adaptation that hasn't broken the longtime curse of video game movies being bad to mediocre in quality, but I'm always willing to see it for myself. This week, we also saw the tragic loss of one of the most brilliant minds in history. The renowned physicist Stephen Hawking became one with the cosmos on Wednesday morning at the age of 76. Having lived 54 years after being diagnosed with ALS, which is already amazing in terms of survivability, his mind worked far more than most others who have ever lived. His work has led to giant leaps in the fields of science, which I love with my brain. If you follow my website, you'll get that. And his theories have heavily influenced my pursuit of accurate science in my own writing. And he will be missed, and the world is definitely not the same without him. He was and always will be a nerd legend. On a lighter note, last week during Nintendo Direct, the gaming powerhouse that has shaped video games since the beginning made several major announcements. The Nintendo Switch is the first of its kind and they refuse to make the same mistakes with it that they have with previous consoles. The biggest of these announcements is a new Super Smash Bros game coming to their latest system along with several first and third party games like Dark Souls, no More Heroes, Crash Bandicoot, and Mario Tennis. Now, I've always been in Nintendo's corner, and even though 2016 was the best year for gaming in a long time, I can only see things getting better. And that's your nerd news for the week. 
and I'm getting ready to get out of here. I'm a day late on this episode, and I'm sorry for that, but there's more and more coming at you in the future from this podcast, from the upcoming Question Authority podcast, and every other piece of my work and career. I'm even considering putting together a YouTube channel, so let me know if you think that's a good idea and what you would want to see if I did that. As always, you can get the most information from my website, jonathanthomasjones.com, and come find and like me on my Facebook fan page. You can follow me on social media on Twitter and Instagram at JTGloryJones. That's at J-T-G-L-O-R-Y-J-O-N-E-S. And keep your ears open for my guest reader spot um, on The Unmastered Presents Creepsville. If you like horror, you will not be disappointed. It's all original stories. Um, I'm, it's a great podcast. I'm happy that I was asked to contribute. Um, this is Glory Jones, the hip-hop nerd. And let's keep building. Let's keep listening to good music and nerding out together. I love y'all. Be good to each other, man. Great.